Delphi Technologies Masters of Motion website is full of handy advice for independent garage technicians. For technical tips, how-to videos and more, visit mom.delphiautoparts.com. Hello and welcome to the Professional Motor Mechanic podcast. I'm your host, Kieran Nee, editor of Professional Motor Mechanic magazine. The February issue of PMM is available at your local factor, so why not pop down there and pick up a free copy? This month we have some great technical articles from Brembo, Arnott, MS Motor Service and many more. This month we're going to talk all about oils. Not all oils, mind you, just the ones relevant to your job. Gone are the days when you could fill every car that came into the garage from the same barrel. These days, oil is a highly specified product, with each vehicle needing its own exact mixture. So I'll be catching up with Mike Busey, chairman of the VLS. Say with a, an engine oil, which is the most common oil that your listeners will be buying. The first element that they will recognise, and most people do, is the viscosity. And visiting Witham Group's Nigel Bottom. Hopefully, we're just starting to see some softening of the prices. It's if you look at climbing a set of stairs and we've gone up 10 steps, we're probably only coming down one or maybe one and a half. To learn more about what role oil plays in modern cars and what effect shortages are having. As usual, we'll hear from Freya about the latest news in the aftermarket and from Tom, who will be continuing the shortages theme, reporting on a recent trip up to Scotland. Oh, by the way, PMM is starting its very own YouTube channel and we're giving you the chance to get involved. If you fancy reviewing the latest tools and boosting your profile, why not drop us an email at pmm at hamerville.co.uk. Okay, now over to Freya for some news. Thanks, Kieran. I'm Freya Coleman, PMM's news and products editor, here to bring you this month's aftermarket news. Petition launched to block government MOT changes. The IGA launched the petition in response to a government announcement that it intends to extend the first MOT period from three to four years, in line with the 422 system much derided in the industry. The government's plans were announced following a public consultation and come less than a year after the plan was last mooted by then Transport Secretary Grant Shapps. Many have spoken out against the proposals, including the SMMT's Chief Executive Mike Hawes, who argued, although today's vehicles are safer and more reliable than ever, safety critical components such as brakes and tyres continue to wear through normal use and lead to millions of MOT failures every year, including at the current first test at year three. The IGA's petition brands the changes dangerous, expensive, damaging and unnecessary. What do you think about the plans? Email me at fcoleman at hamerville.co.uk. The average UK car is now older. According to data from the European Automobile Manufacturers Association from its Vehicles and News report, the average car in the UK is 10 years old. However, according to the latest figures from the SMMT, new car sales went up 14.7% in January. MOT frauds defined An MOT tester was recently landed with a whopping £1,300,000 fine and 200 hours of community service for issuing fraudulent test certificates. The Surrey-based tester was convicted after passing seven vehicles without testing them. Last year, 
the DVSA recorded over a thousand instances of MOT fraud. Lastly, the IMI is to celebrate the work of technicians and students at the IMI annual dinner this March. The awards ceremony will include two new categories for the first time this year. The President's Award will focus on individuals who have contributed towards sustainability and the environment, whilst the EDI Award will aim to celebrate diversity in the industry. And that's the news this month from PMM. And now, back to Kieran. And let's take a look at some of the news which dominated the headlines last year. Fears of war with Russia, mass strikes, Argentina winning the World Cup, problems in Northern Ireland, oil shortages. You'd be forgiven for thinking that we'd travelled back in time to the 1970s. The only thing missing from the avocado green bingo card was Pong. Remember Pong? For the first time since the 70s, the UK was reminded that despite being in Ireland, it is very much part of a global world where events on the other side of the planet can have a very real impact here, at home, in your garage. We kicked off this podcast by looking at the parts shortages resulting from the pandemic disruption to global supply chains. What we learned then was that the biggest pinch point was in oil and was largely down to the Russian invasion of Ukraine and the resulting sanctions, of course. If 2022's retro vibe wasn't clear enough for you, there was even a resurgence of OPEC just to really make you nostalgic for the decade that brought us both pot noodles and punk, i.e. my two favourite things as a student. So this episode, we thought we'd take a closer look at oils, specifically the stuff that goes into cars, which I now feel might be too complex to simply be called oil. There's nothing simple. There never has been anything simple in the lubricant industry. That's Nigel Bottom from Witham Group. My name is Nigel Bottom. I'm Group Managing Director of the Witham Group based in Lincoln. I've worked for Witham Group manufacturing lubricants and paints for just shy of 30 years. Oil has never just been oil for whatever application, be it for the passenger car, be it for agriculture, be it for road haulage. It's safe to say Nigel knows his stuff when it comes to motor oils. Before asking him anything about the shortages, I wanted to know a bit more about the oils themselves and why they're so complex. Obviously, oils now are quite, are quite complex. Uh, what challenges do modern vehicles place on oils today that they didn't 20, 30 years ago? I suppose if you roll the clock right back and you go right to the very beginning, early lubricants were asked to be heavy in the summer and light in the winter. That's That was the technology. And then that progressed into one oil that would work throughout the year. So we went from monograids to multigrades. And now, and certainly for the last 20 years, 20 plus years, has been a drive on fuel economy, emissions out of the pipe, and how lubricants can be part of that. Before we go any further, I asked Mike Busey, current chairman of the VLS, a part of the UK Lubricants Association, to give a quick rundown on those multi-grades Nigel mentioned. Here's a 5W30. It says it wants a 5W30. The W is the winter temperature, which is the lower temperature. And then the second number you see, the 30 in a 530, is the viscosity at 100 degrees. My name's Mike Busey. I've been in the oil aftermarket sector for 29 years and I uh, ran and headed up the Move Lubricants business for the last 10 years. I've been there for the last 28 years. I'm very versed in the automotive aftermarket and particularly lubricants in that 
I sit on the board of the UK Lubricants Association. So going back to what Nigel said about fuel economy, Mike gave me a rundown of some of the pressures on modern oils. The demands on a modern engine are increased power uh, from these tiny, tiny engines. I mean, you're seeing these super clever one litre super economic units that are delivering 150 plus brake horsepower from a one litre engine. I mean, it is staggering the technology in these engines. But that, of course, puts a lot of pressure on the oil. The sump sizes are getting smaller because they want the car to be lighter. So you have less oil trying to do more. A huge proportion of what an oil does is to, is also to cool the engine as well. It's a key element in cooling the engine. So you have less oil to cool the engine. And it's an engine that's now running much hotter, much faster. The pressure on emissions. So you've now got all sorts of DPFs and catalytic converters. They can all be contaminated if you're not using the right oils. And that's when, you know, you have higher sulfur products and lower sulfur products can actually cause damage in your engine if you're not fitting the right product. So it is crucial about fitting the right oil nowadays. And then, of course, particularly in recent years, we've seen the pressure on fuel economy. The list goes on. We need to cope with biofuels or increase in biofuels in the combustion. And on. We've got hybrid technology, stop-start functionality. This is commonplace now in the day-to-day -day passenger vehicle in the UK. And so these challenges mean that the, the engine oil it has to be continually developed. And in short, modern oils are being asked to do a lot, which means that using the right oil is essential to the optimal performance of the vehicle. Back to Nigel. Using the correct lubricant is obviously paramount to every vehicle and the lubrication within that engine. There are figures quoted in the media that by OEMs to say that if every single vehicle globally was using the correct lubricant, not a different lubricant, a better lubricant, just use the correct lubricant, then fuel economy globally would improve between 5 and 7%. What do you think is probably the number one thing that people and, and workshop technicians get wrong about oils? It's a loaded question. Um, without being I, too controversial. Without being too controversial. I suppose, and this is a, a pretty simplistic and flippant answer to that, which is mixing up quality with price, brand with quality, and a mixture of those two together. So sometimes companies, garages can go with a big brand because that big brand in, in theory gives them the level of quality that they think they need without actually looking at the ingredient or the approvals that's on the technical data sheet. And my experience is I've seen some absolute horrors where they've been using some big global brand oil companies and frankly the product that they're actually buying is not for their pool of vehicles that they're servicing. There is the other end of the market where there's a product going out there that's not fit for purpose, that doesn't meet the approvals asked for by the vehicles that are going in. It's not the right viscosity. What it says on the label isn't in the tin. That's why we have VLS in the in the industry that's open to every motor mechanic to have a look at and read about. That they've been driven down a road to buy something that's inverted commas maybe cheaper, more competitive, but is it the correct oil for the correct application? That's always the spin-off. I 
I just encourage everybody to who buys oil and uses oil to make sure that it meets the specification, which is very easy to check because it's in every service book, in every vehicle. Mike agrees. And quite often consumers can drive away and, and within literally a few hundred miles, they can have contaminated or destroyed a diesel particulate filter. On some systems, they're really sensitive and they will destroy themselves on that basis if you fit the wrong oil literally within a few hundred miles. And that is, you know, that's a 2,000 euro replacement item. So fitting the right product is, is really important. I've heard oil being referred to as being the forgotten OE part, but too often it's seen as a one-size-fits-all that technicians can just fit and forget. Indeed, Nigel agreed that lubricants have completely been overlooked. But as we go into 2023, lubricants and the base oil behind them are still in the news. So where does Nigel see the situation heading in the future? The oil, I guess, we see in the news is crude base stock. So it's base oil um, or it's base stock that's the nodding donkeys, the, the crude oil coming out of the ground. That's what the global market talks about. And I guess where that's related to, to the actual pence per litre or the lubricant that's used in a garage, in a, in a, in a, in a workshop environment, of course, that is one of our raw materials, but before or as it comes out the ground, it then needs to go for refining. And that can be four or five point refining world. The actual process from it coming out the ground to it becoming a finished lubricant is global. So it could start somewhere. We actually buy a, a very clean, very approved, very tight base oil. But of course, that is intrinsically linked with the global price of, of oils. I think what has driven or know what has driven the latest sort of increases, and when I say the latest, I'm talking well over a year now, is of course the terrible war in Ukraine, where sanctions of Russian base stock, quite rightly so, have come in, but there's still companies who were well, there have been companies that bought Russian base stocks or bought Russian base oils, so finished products as well. And they're not able to now, and like I say, quite rightly so. So they've come into the pool of the rest of the world's supplies, which has obviously created shortages, which has also created spikes in, in lubricant. Hopefully, we're just starting to see uh, some softening of, of the prices, but it's if you look at climbing a set of stairs and we've gone up 10 steps, we're probably only coming down one or maybe one and a half so by no means are we going back to where it was. Although supplies have started to ease in certain certain commodities and certain products that we buy. So higher prices at least are with us to stay for the, for the foreseeable future. Yeah, if you gauge the price on where we were 12 months ago, yes. Yeah. Um, I, I think, and this is probably my personal opinion rather than an industry opinion, I think lubricant has certainly been very undervalued from a raw material purchasing point of view. So whilst Nigel isn't optimistic the prices will come down to pre-2022 levels, he did finish by putting things in a rather helpful perspective. But uh, lubricant at the raw material end and the manufacturing site and what is supplied to some garages at that cost is relatively 
small in the grand scheme of a vehicle now costing 30, 40, 50,000 pounds. And realistically, it's probably got 50 pounds worth of oil in it, which will last up to two years. Selfishly, the one commodity that, again, moves the vehicle on, helps with its fuel economy, keeps it quiet, reduces its temperature, does all these other wonderful things that, that lubricants do, is less than the rubber mats that keep the carpet clean, which only last two years as well. So there you have it. Whether it's enough to stop you from digging out those flares from the back of the wardrobe and declaring the resurrection of disco, I don't know. But it is worth remembering that next time you fill your customer's car up with oil, that if it costs a lot, it's saving them a hell of a lot more in the long run. Okay, over to you now, Tom. Welcome back to the Professional Motor Factor segment. It's great to be speaking to you again. It feels like an age since I last set up the microphone and recorded one of these, so apologies if I'm a bit rusty. In this pod, you've been hearing about oils, with shortages one of the key talking points. Shortages have been a universal issue in this industry over recent years, with COVID-19, Brexit and the Russian invasion of Ukraine all blamed. I recently asked Pav Arshad, the owner of Motor Factor Scotland, if and how this problem has disrupted his business and flow to customers especially given this was during his first year in charge. Yeah, it has been tough. Uh, there has been uh, a lot of shortage of deliveries. Uh, we have noticed, the, especially in the braking components actually, uh, there was a big um, shortage on brake discs. And secondly, what we have noticed also is actually the courier companies as well. There's a, the massive rush for the, kind of the courier companies themselves are so overworked at the moment that they cannot cope with the amount of products going through. Um, so we found that we were getting delayed uh, shipments. So with, uh, with every supplier we have, um, but if you order before a certain time, it's, it's next day delivery. Um, but what we found with, um, there was a certain period of time where it doesn't matter what you ordered, you weren't getting it the next day. Um, so that had a big knock-on effect on us because it did cause our customers to have to lose that trust if they order something with us they can't wait for it for the next day they're not guaranteed they're going to get it next day so as soon as you let the customer down once it's you're, you're, you're then on the back foot again we, I found that what we started doing there was we started upping our stock level we started putting more and more into stock by continuously growing the range so to counteract the supply issues uh, we've certainly been forced down the line of having to, to stock more parts Despite the issues and consequent pressures, the situation is improving and such drastic actions are no longer required. We have noticed that the supply base has gotten better. We've got a, a reorder chart and um, when we're ordering from our suppliers on a regular basis, if it was coming out of stock, we'll just leave it on the reorder chart. We have certainly noticed that the that the list is, is now minimal, to be perfectly honest. Uh, it, was, it was becoming quite a large large list at one point but we've certainly noticed it's, it's quite diminished it's almost zero now to be honest which is which is good motor factor scotland is based up in Bonnybridge near falkirk it's a 15 20 minute train journey from edinburgh it's a place where local community and local businesses look out for one another that's the vibe i got anyway with that in mind i put it to pav that if i'd just set up an independent garage in the area why would i come to him my big belief is for us as our motor factors in the local industry, we like dealing with local garages. We're a big advocate of um, you know support support your local business, 
and support small businesses. Um, everybody has got you know the big, the big companies around, and one of my biggest things that I generally try to say to the garages is, um, every independent garage, such as yourself now, you've opened up a you open up a garage. You're an in, you're an independent, so you will be relying on the local community to run your business to earn your living. You yourself has to build trust and relationship with those local community to stop them from going to the big dealerships. Okay, they're going to be paying more for labour charges, etc. potentially. So you rely on the local business to... local community, sorry, to run your business. That's all I ask of that garage for me is you've got this... You, they have the same motto or they should have the same motto as I've got is you rely on the local community, I rely on the local garages to run my business. So why should a customer not go to a big dealership to get the car fixed and go to the local garage, but then a local garage, why should they go to a big multinational motor factors rather than using a local supplier who can give you the same parts at good affordable prices, top quality products, and they're supporting local business, and say they're only maybe a mile or whatever down the road and we've got multiple vans on the road and they can get deliveries sometimes within. We've got garages here, uh, local ones. Say say you're a local garage, they phoned us up and we've got the part in stock, the van's just ready to leave. They could have the, they could have the delivery uh, of their parts within five minutes, ten minutes. So I'm a very, very firm believer of support your local business and it's just having that mentality of... We're always going to need these multinational, um, you know, businesses, but it's keeping the business local and supporting the local community because it's not just the retail person that's the community. For me, the garage is also the local community, so that's who I want to serve. Well, thanks to Pat for his comprehensive answers and his time. Kieran, back to you. Thanks, Tom. And don't worry, you sound perfectly well-rested after our extended Christmas break. Well, that's all we have time for this month, I'm afraid. There was plenty to chew on there, I thought, especially Nigel from Witham Group's opinion that motor oils were undervalued before and might not be returning to their old prices. I want to say thank you to all our guests this month and to our sponsor, Delphi Technologies. Thank you to the whole team for making this happen every month and thank you for coming back to us in 2023. Next month, we're looking at MOTs. It's an annual test, but for how long? If the government gets its way, Will the roads be less safe? Let's discuss. See you in March.